0: You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey, all Michael here. I'm one of the pastors of The Village Church, and I am here today to kind of set up a teaching roundtable, something that we've started doing recently at the Village. And this was teaching roundtable number one. And we will get into all of the details of what that is. But first of all, I want to introduce you to a couple
1: people. Uh, My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors of the Village.
0: And Kelly, I'm going to intro her just for a second. She's going to be leading kind of the the conversation today. So Kelly, tell us who you are and then, man, kind of get rolling with it.
2: I'm Kelly O'Donoho, not one of the pastors at the Village Church, I always like to say that, but I'm married to one of the pastors at the Village Church, and I get to teach some things, specifically a monthly women's group called Rooted, where we just learn how the Bible fits together as a whole. And so I have been bugging Michael for a long time about teaching things, and we are doing this teaching roundtable now. So to start off, let's talk about that. What is this teaching roundtable? Why are we doing it? And how are we hoping it will impact the Village Church as a whole?
3: Oh,
0: that's a great question, Kelly. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, man, it, it has been kind of a long time, you know, in the creative process or whatever. And, and at the same time, it's not a huge deal. So historically, we've um, we've had preaching cohorts and uh, you know preaching labs and other things. And I think it was two years ago or last year we had uh, a preaching cohort where we had men and women coming together to try to figure out just what it looks like to grow as teachers of God's word and and then rather than having some really compact, you know, four week, you know, you're all in, all or nothing, we thought, man, why don't we just kind of create, maybe create a culture that stretches out, um, that's, that's more for, not so much for people who, who teach or preach in like super formal outlets, but just people who want to grow um, as, as teachers of God's word together. And so really it's just a monthly space that we have after a gathering uh, we'll shoot out some content beforehand to kind of read over maybe a few articles and some other things, passages of scripture, to help kind of kick our thoughts, uh, you know, into uh, a particular topic. And that's really the thing that this isn't every time we're coming together. It's not some holistic. Mm-hmm. We're going to teach all the things about effective Bible teaching, preaching, whatever. But it's man, let's just carve out 90 minutes once a month to talk about one element of teaching. And and the hope is, uh, and there are many. I think I shared like. Fifteen quick hopes, you know, or something like that. <laughs> uh, five, but but really, the hope is to increase the culture of, of like Bible literacy. Um, and and in time, man, I, I kind of kicked off a little bit the first one, but I know Scott's going to be leading, Kelly, are going to be leading, and my hope is that these other people would just increase, um, man, help us let people know how to to understand and teach the Bible a little better, you know. And in, in a, a year from now, I hope that we're a whole lot more competent and equipped to do that so
2: same I remember when we kind of started dreaming about this I got to take part in the preaching cohort which was a little more formalized it was it wasn't formal but it was a little more formalized and then the idea emerged from that to what if we had this ongoing group of people that were already teaching the bible but we get to come together work together learn together and that's something that I want as a person who's trying to teach the bible but has so much to grow in so much to learn and I don't have as quite as much practice as you guys get to have but what would it look like to have other and i also just wanted more people in our church to see themselves as teachers and to um kind of explore what does that look like did god give me kind of this gift or burden of teaching and if so how do i start working that out and kind of take away some of the intimidation of you know like asking someone to teach something but they have no idea what they're doing well if you think you might want to teach or if you're already teaching come join this other group of people and let's learn together Mm -hmm. it's a little more informal than what we've done in the past
3: Yeah,
1: it's good. Yeah, I mean, the job of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so, yeah, I mean, some of us get to flex those kind of muscles and fan the flame of those gifts more um, frequently, but there are, A, teaching looks different in different contexts. But then also, like, if there's not, if you're not in a specific role or bearing a certain responsibility, then how do you grow and fan the flame of that gift if you don't have the opportunity. And so this is one way, I think, that we get to, um, yeah, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and help grow a church of of teachers and preachers and also hearers yeah. and everything too. And so, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a cool, formal way to do the work of the church.
2: Absolutely. I was talking about it as getting me excited <laughs> all over again for the year that's to come. <laughs> I think we started off with an interest huddle, as we do for all the things one Sunday after a gathering. has plenty of people show up which was really encouraging and we kind of took some feedback of what do you want to learn what do you want to grow in to get an idea for what we should talk about throughout the year and we had a plenty long list I think there are more than 12 things that we had to pick from but you wanted specifically Michael to talk kind of the, for the first month zoom out and talk broadly what's the point of teaching why was it important to you or why should, why is it important in general that we start with that question
0: yeah a couple things first um while i do get to preach formally more than anyone else around here um i uh to, to quote uh, pastor matt tucker here uh, i'm still learning and one of the things that i said is you know i'm i'm not coming at anything uh when we you know like when when scott preaches and we have conversations around that i never come at, at that as like the master and, and, and this is not like that in that environment and so for real um you know, we can get in this, but but I I learned a ton even just from our, our you know yeah whatever. But why start out that big? As I shared this past week, uh, I like the big picture, <laughs> yeah. and so for me, I, I think uh, so so like when I said, what is the purpose of the teaching roundtable? It was literally to define uh, to we, we want to create space to grow together as faithful teachers of God's word. So really, what this is is helping people define what a faithful teacher is Mm -hmm. no matter the context well what does that mean and there are a million roots and shoots that we could follow but really like um, it's not like defining a a summit along a path that gets to a mountain but man what is the mountain when we open God's word every single time no matter what 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 is it that we're aiming at to be faithful handlers and proclaimers of God's word and uh, I don't you know yeah so so in that uh the, it wasn't me declaring things this past right you know whatever round table it was us asking questions and for for that it's mean, i just want to open our minds a bit to say okay it's not about this like this passage or i mean it, it is but it's not yeah. about this verse this really specific thing but what is the biggest thing that we're aiming at every time we do this and so yeah i think it was good just to open people's minds a bit and and um hopefully challenge us a bit to at least grow in figuring out what our highest aim is when the Bible is open.
2: Absolutely. I was taking notes during the class, but I kept getting lost in the conversation and forgetting that I was taking notes. So I didn't write down this person's name, but I remember someone saying something to the effect of, um, you have to know where you're going before you can start to get there. And yeah, I that's yeah. a terrible paraphrase, but something to that idea that if you don't know why you're teaching to begin with, it's just so easy to get sidetracked down some path that you never meant to go on. For sure. And so we have to you know, keep the horizon in front of us you don't want to capsize the boat? I don't know if that's really a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Go down with the
1: ship.
0: I don't know. One we... of
2: those, you know, one of those things about boats.
0: It's good. The orchestra's still playing. I don't know. <laughs> <it Titanic>? entertaining.
1: <laughs> oh, I think that's where we're going
0: to
2: go. I'm like infamous for mixing up analogies and <laughs> metaphors and saying things that don't make sense. Um, yeah, I agree. Scott, do you have anything to add?
1: No, I mean, that's, you. you I can't add anything else to that. It's just yeah. knowing why we're doing it in the first place. We always aim to do that. In anything yeah. <laughs> that we do as a church, we always it's always why are we doing this? And so yeah, what are you shooting for? Yeah. So we can talk about nuts and bolts and all sorts of things, but if you don't know what you're actually building, yeah. like what you're building to, then I mean yeah, it's kind of aimless a bit, you know?
0: Yeah, so. and I would I mean just like I said, it, this is not like you get an answer and then well that's it. it, it I mean I, I think your context and lots of things. I know we'll get to that in a second, but. It it continually for me. It's not like, well, oh, I have the answer, so that's just what I do every mm-hmm. week. Yeah. It's like it is regularly difficult to keep the horizon, and then to make sure because this is kind of what we do around here and what I do. Like, is that the right horizon? So we get to ask that very yeah. regularly yeah. as God continues to shape us. Is that is yeah. that the goal? Is that the highest prize? And so it it was a sweet opportunity for me even to kick that stuff around.
2: And we did that at the roundtable. We had a a a discussion that we didn't get to finish, which we'll talk a little more about. Um, So you did ask us. I think someone mentioned, I think you mentioned, that we have resources ahead of time every month that we're asking people to read, just short articles or podcasts or something to listen to. Um, And so we were supposed to kind of answer that question, what's the point, before we actually did the dived into the resources do you remember anyone's answers anyone's answers stand out with you Adam had a really specific answer but I did not write it down
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did not write it down and Adam I'm sorry but I don't remember it either but I'm sure it was really really good good. it was was real
2: good I just didn't write it down
0: one of the things that I just observed was the way people went at answering the question was a reflection of their outlet for teaching absolutely Mm -hmm. and so for me and I'll say this time and time again my mind just drifts up 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 to like what is a a what is a faithful sermon? Yeah. And I know that's not the full scope of the class, Yeah. but for me it's just going to context. go there, and that's yeah. okay. And, yeah. and I think that that's true for everybody else. So whatever they said, and there was nothing like left field or anything, yeah. but it was reflective of their context, which yeah. is helpful, I think. That's a good thing.
2: Mm-hmm. It is helpful, and that's perfectly teeing up to the next <laughs> question. Maybe that was on purpose. Uh, one of the resources we read was an excerpt from Tim Keller's book, Preaching, which I have subsequently purchased because it was so good. Just the excerpt we read was so good, but he starts off the book by defining three levels of teaching the Bible, which I think his point there, and I haven't read the whole book yet, but is to say that it's more than just preaching, which is helpful since the room is full. I think there were only two of you in there that actually yeah. preach. Um, so, And this, his book is called Preaching. So. It's called <laughs> Preaching, so you wouldn't expect it to be about more than preaching, yeah. but it was. And it was helpful. So he defines three levels of teaching the Bible. The first level, number one, being like every Christian is called to this. It's just kind of one-to-one conversations. It's maybe talking to your kid, talking to your neighbor, and you know, talking about Jesus or the Bible in that. Level two is more of like a small group setting. You might think of a Bible study or a community group. Uh, I think I wrote down here somewhere. He's, this is a quote from the book. To prepare and present lessons and talks to lead discussions in which they are presenting the Word of Christ kind of the gifts of speaking, and so that's not maybe every single Christian, but it's certainly more than just pastors who are preaching, and then that third level is public preaching, exposition to assembled gatherings, that's what we think of as the Sunday morning sermon. So um, we will refer back to these levels one, two, and three again, but how do these levels impact our purpose in teaching the Bible, or do they impact our purpose in teaching the Bible?
0: I uh, will just <laughs> maybe share some perspective, and then Scott can give the answers. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Like I said, my mind keeps going up, and I know, like Kelly and I, when I when I shared the first list of resources, Kelly's like, "What the frick? These are all <laughs> preaching resources!" Like, "What is this?" And so, uh, yeah, I won't apologize for this anymore. But <laughs>
2: and you didn't the first. But time.
0: I think, yeah. So that that most formal level three, I think you caught it right. I mean, yeah, pre- preaching in the formal gathered church context or whatever. Yeah. Um, for me, it was really helpful mm-hmm. to to notice that there is a distinction. so when a when a parent opens the Bible or even just corrects their child yeah. with the word, um, yeah. you know what I mean by that or maybe you don't but you know like in some way redirects in the name of spiritual maturity yeah yeah um, they don't have to do this checklist of all the things <laughs> that make a faithful sermon sure um, but in the in the scope of their life, I think what we would look at and say no, that yeah. is, like bi- biblical orthodoxy, that is what faithful Christian preaching looks like. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we reflect and, 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 you know, we'll swerve one way or the other or, or miss or whatever. But there is a, 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 not a list, but like a scope. Yeah, a list of, man, is this a faithful sermon? Uh-huh. And so for me, just, just like adjusting my gaze a bit, even to the room in the moment, uh-huh. thinking, okay, what I look at when I say, nope, all these things have to be there they don't have to be there on level 1 every single time and maybe yeah. not even on level 2 every single time and maybe not even when you're preaching every single time but yeah. in the in the scope in the the like span of life man these things should be norms yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if that's helpful or whatever
1: yeah no i mean i, I think for me i've said this before when i'm preaching like sometimes i view it as like a a personal counseling session with a hundred people at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that, Cause I'm thinking, I'm, I mean, that's the beauty of, of being able to preach to a wow. local church that you're shepherding is, you know, the individuals that are in it. And yeah. so, yeah, like pouring over a, a passage of scripture and then saying, what does this have to say to this person and this person and this person? And where are they coming from? Like, obviously you can't actually have a <laughs> personal counseling session with like right. each of those people. Um, and so but at the same time, like there's that desire for each person that might be hearing to participate and interact with the text and with the spirit in a way that that moves them in some way. And so I think that's true on any level of like interacting with teaching or preaching or whatever with the word, whether it's one on one in small groups in a bigger setting, preaching, you know, one to many kind of context like it's all participatory like everyone gets to participate in some way the spirit is active in some way and it's all mediated through like the the relationship that's there whether it's yeah. the, mediated through the preacher you know whether it's who that person is throughout the week and then you know how they live their life and they're you know they're saying stuff on sudden how are you hearing that from that person or whether it's you know in a coffee shop over coffee and you literally get to relate with that person like so there's like Personal nature to it. There's participatory nature to it. And so I don't know that the, that the purpose itself changes necessarily, but I think the way that it looks in terms of am I, do I have the opportunity to explore, you know, where this person is. I yeah. uh, kind of wrote down like it's almost like what does it look like if you're a shepherd and you're shepherding one sheep? <laughs> what are you able to do with that one sheep that right. you wouldn't be able to do? If you're, if you're shepherding, pastoring like an entire flock, at the same time, that's going to look different. Yeah. You know, your ability to interact, you're going to be thinking about the whole big picture and trying to steer the ship versus like, okay, I'm, I'm now like just interacting with a crewmate, you know, on the ship. That looks different, even though your purpose for everyone in any context might be the same. Yeah. So yeah, it's at least that's the way that when I think about that question, that's that's how I kind of approach it. One might be more declarative yeah. and one might offer more opportunity for exploration with that individual person and there's a just a spectrum, you know, in between there. And you can build on what happened yesterday
0: with one sheep. Correct. But you can't assume that in a room full of hundreds of people that they have the same experience that you had yesterday with that one Mm sheep. So then it has to be more holistic Mm -hmm. more regularly. I think that was helpful for me because
2: we began this discussion in the round table and I think that was helpful to think about too. You know, if you, you guys that are preaching on a Sunday morning, A, you never know who's there for the first time and won't be coming back. There's now a live stream and people are listening from who, who knows where that you may or may not know. There is kind of a, a different, yeah, there's a different list that you want to get through because that might be the only interaction. Versus mm-hmm. when you go home to your kid, I mean, God willing, you're going to see them again tomorrow. And I think I think you brought this up on the Sunday, like if you're trying to go through an entire sermon with your kid every time you're having a discussion that might be anything about spiritual, they're going to stop listening to you. They're yep. not going to listen. It's going to be obnoxious. And the same is true with your neighbor. If every time your neighbor tells you they're having a bad day, you launch into a 30-minute sermon presentation, they're not going to talk to you anymore. Right. And so that's, that's not helpful. But on the flip side, it was also helpful, this discussion for me personally, who doesn't preach, but who teaches regular series. So we typically get the same people back, but not always, you know, or who like meets with women one-on-one to teach things. Usually I get to see them again. It was helpful for me to remember that that's just as important and the, the weight of that, while it looks different, the weight of some things are the same because it is still the word of God and there are some things that you still want to make sure to hit on. So that was just helpful to me in both ways to see that they're similar, but they're different and Mm -hmm. to kind of tease out the ways that that works. Yeah. So... In light of that, um, in what ways do you see Bible teachers today kind of miss the point or purpose of teaching the Bible that's pretty common? Or even how have you individually grown in your ability to not miss the point or the purpose?
1: Um, yeah, the for me, like a, a way that I have grown, I think, is I used to think if I preached a good sermon, then everyone would leave feeling convicted by sin. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, I would know if I preached well if if people not only knew, but, like, experienced and felt total depravity. Oh <laughs> like, and it's, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that was kind of where we were even at the beginning of of our church yeah. life as the village. Like, theologically trying to reorient people around yeah. the gospel and around the centrality of Christ and all those things. And so, like, we would often come back to, but you need him. <laughs> and all of us need him. We're dead in sin and all those things. And so I think on some level, there was a necessity to bringing us low so that we could gather around the cross together as a very theologically diverse church mm-hmm. and lots of different experiences and stuff. Um, at the same time, like I've uh, at some point, I don't know what it was or what accumulation of things occurred that let me see this a little bit differently. But just realizing, hey, like we're preaching to Christians, like we're preaching to the church who are new creations in Christ. (laughs) They're not utterly, totally depraved wretches, right? They are, they have the Holy Spirit. Uh, they have new affections, new hearts, all those things. And so, um, not just seeing, you know, the, the gospel as like the landing strip where, all right, I'm going to bring you real low. And then here's the place that you just need to land everything. But like, no, it gets to be the launching pad that we get to see, Like this passage of scripture, or whatever, like through the lens of the gospel, that then like it teaches us and shows us and frees us how to live in all these ways. It's not just this, like trying to. I'm I'm like wrestling with you as the the pilot of your life, and I'm going to crash the plane. I'm going to bring it as low as I possibly can (laughs) for an emergency landing on Jesus. Like versus no, I I want you to yeah. Let's let's go there, but then let's also then take off. You know, and and reorient and let let Jesus take the wheel (laughs) you know like in terms of what life can look like like with him like at the helm you know what I mean and so like it's yeah so I think seeing uh, preaching and teaching as an opportunity not just to like man remind us that we need Jesus but man like cultivating a dependence on Christ and the spirit should be life giving and life changing, freeing in like a, a really great way and so for me I think that's when, when I see or hear preachers, teachers, see memes on Facebook or whatever that, like, right. seem to just emphasize, like, our depravity or whatever. And it's like, no, that's, that, yes, that's but that's, part. but that's not, that's not, like, the point, yeah. right? Like, no one is changed by being told that they're, you know, a wretch. You, non-believers or believers, you have to give them Jesus, which yeah. should spur something new. So, for me, that's like a, yeah, that's a... Uh, a bent that I had I think earlier is Hmm. to just bring people low conviction of sin was like really great (laughs) if I could twist them you know and now that's that's not there thankfully you know what I mean conviction hopefully is still there but Jesus is there more than more than that you know
3: Hmm.
0: I mean that is a theological maturity that we I I mean I'd say we you and I and others and, and the village church grew into together yeah and um yeah, God's grace was sufficient. We were in a basement with very low lighting, and so it just, you know, the, we had cute. mood lighting. You were going to feel bad <laughs> that's, anyway. That's, like, that's we, you know, true. But yeah, that, that is, yeah, that's true. I, I, I think when I think about, um, gosh, maybe I was thinking today, as I'm preparing, even this week, to to teach the Bible, we're jumping into Exodus, and how um, teachers of the Bible can often miss the forest for the trees. Sure. And, and just, I, I was like almost delighting in. Or I just remember struggling so bad early to teach the Bible um, because you, you think that you're, okay, you're teaching 10 verses or 15 verses or a chapter, or three verses, whatever, mm-hmm. some small chunk. Mm-hmm. But you are utterly dependent. And what makes it so exhausting is you can't contradict any part of the entire nature of God and his word, even though you're talking about 10 (laughs) verses or whatever. Now that's true if you're leading a group or like, this is true. When we open the Bible, we get to get it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just, just like having a uh, longer uh, biblical theology understanding is how much those things impact Mm -hmm. what we bring into any text, you Mm know? Um, But, but I think generally speaking, uh, errors that I see um, are me-centered legalisms mm-hmm. or calls to obey the law without the power to do so. Mm-hmm. Be that Christ, uh, our unity in Christ, and His righteousness and the Spirit that empowers us to do that. And so, when I think about um, what, you know, for right or wrong, when I when we see uh, another preacher or or someone teaching the Bible or a church sign or just anything. We talk to the kids, hey, what do, you, what do you think about that? Is that true or not? But but we're trying to build out this, are you at the center of this thing or is God at the center of this yeah. thing? And so there are many things, but that's just one thing. And obviously the law, Christ fulfilling, all those things come into that. But it's just a shallow faith usually says, hey, just live different.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But, but a robust <coughs> faith says, here's how and why and for the greater glory and, and all those things, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: had a they, uh, picture in my head pop up today of like, you know, if you played with Play-Doh as a kid or see kids play with Play-Doh, you know, have like the little, uh, the stamps, you know, like the you know cookie cutter almost looking things you sure. press in and, and then you peel the stuff out because you want to make a star or, a, yeah. you know, whatever, you know. Um, and I think there's even in like a gospel-centered, Christ-centered preaching movement that we've seen a lot of in the last, you know, couple decades or whatever which is really great like I think we can if just because someone says Jesus or talks about Jesus or hits on the gospel doesn't mean that it's actually a gospel-centered sermon Hmm. like that the transformative piece isn't actually Christ himself and what he's done and so like the picture in my head is like seeing and hearing teaching that's like it's not it's not actually the cutout of Jesus that that they're offering it's like the the playdo that's left around the edges around it to where it's hmm. you can it's it's clear it's it's the edges the skirt of Jesus like it. but it's yeah. it's formed by it in some way but like what is uh it, it's more of what's not there hmm. you know like it's formed by the absence of the gospel and not necessarily Christ itself and so we're giving people like a all of the the christian things mm-hmm. or like the good things the Jesus things we point to him but like at the end of the day it's still us trying to like and fashion our lives around the cross instead of giving people the cross itself yeah. um and so like yeah i just i think that is a it's an easy thing and a in all the with all the good intentions and movement again of like bringing the gospel to bear as the the good news the transformative peace like i think uh those of us which is honestly all of us who are prone to see our life and our relationship with the lord and each other through the law like through the lens of the law like it's it's just naturally going to happen that we're going to dress up the law with <laughs> with Jesus, you know, and think, Oh look, gospel centered preaching when like that's really that's really not it, you know?
0: Yeah. Said the gospel <clears throat> said the word gospel eight times, so it must be <laughs> So clearly it's
1: gospel centered. It's like, well no, Nailed that's not it. necessarily you know.
0: Which man, that illuminates just how tough it is. Yeah. Like it is yeah. it it's for I mean, I'll say it many times, but for this I toil. Like mm-hmm. this is it's tough work. Mm-hmm. And that's true for preaching and, and opening up the Bible in a community group or or for leading your child yeah. wh- whatever the context yeah. to know the scriptures it's
2: which I hope was encouraging to people that were at the round table and hopefully anyone that's listening to this to know like you guys have been doing this a long time and it's still it can still be hard yeah you know it's something that we don't we don't just learn one thing and then you flip a switch and you nail it every time this is something you grow in and certainly requires a lot of prayer and dependence on the spirit and all those things to continue and then mm-hmm. repentance when we get it wrong You know, but there's freedom to try again. It's funny because you guys are both talking about that level three, which makes sense. To Michael's point, that's your context. (laughs) I read this question and I am thinking about Bible studies that Mm -hmm. I've been a part of or I'm thinking about myself at Rooted and like there's kind of this joke because I... In some ways, I can see big picture, like the way you talk about Michael, but I also get, I geek out over weird details. Like, I think every time I'm reading a book and Scott walks into the room, I'm like, I just read this thing. And did you know blah, 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 blah. Hey,
0: let me tell you this. Let me
2: tell you this thing. One more thing. (laughs) And
0: so I and get
3: Scott's excited. Like, yes, I knew that. <laughs> and genuinely, I think I mean.
2: the reason that I like to Thanks teach for me. is because I like to learn, and then I learn all these things, and I want to tell other people about it. And so that's one of my struggles still. And I think a way that Bible teachers at that level too can miss the point is if we learn a bunch of the one thing I have learned, and I think you've both told me at some point, is that if you are preparing to teach something you are going to learn things that you don't get to then share Mm -hmm. like you cannot share everything that you learn in your preparation i'm sure that's true for sermons as Mm -hmm. well and so the point is not just to show up then to your study or your rooted or whatever you're doing and regurgitate all of the facts that you learned or go off on five rabbit trails of this really cool thing and i um i tell the story often i had a friend come to rooted for the first time and she left and said the phrase. And she meant it nicely. And if you're listening, don't don't feel bad because it wasn't a bad thing that you said. But she walked away and said, oh, that was so interesting. And she meant it compliment, you know, complimentary. But I walked away and thought, oh dang it. And then I don't even think I think it was more than just interesting, but I've never forgot that phrase because honestly my worst nightmare as a teacher is that somebody would leave rooted and think, oh, that was really interesting. <laughs> Hopefully it was interesting. Like I, right now, I feel like one of the things I'm working on is trying to not be boring in my teaching because I could go on and on, which I'm probably doing right now. But I want there to be a bigger picture. I want them to walk away with something more concrete than just interesting facts. And I, Kim Graham uh, at the roundtable mentioned that she grew up in the church and learned a lot about the Bible, but she never really got how Christ satisfied it. Mm-hmm. And that's what is impacting and changing her the most now and that seems like a pitfall of Bible teachers at both the level two and three is yeah. that we can give a lot of information. You can learn all the Bible stories and not have any idea how Jesus fits into that or why that changes how you live.
1: Yeah, and one on one. I mean, that's. Absolutely. I think that's the thing is like it. Yeah, Michael and I, our brains are going to preaching and stuff like that. Sure. You're someone in level two stuff. But like it, it really is all the same stuff. Again, <laughs> you, whether you're preaching things that mention Jesus in the gospel or whether you're sitting, again, across the table from someone in a coffee shop and they're struggling with something and you're just telling them, but God loves you. And, you know, or, uh, you know, they're, they're wrestling with sin and trying to fight sin. And you just tell them, you know, well, you know, like Jesus said not to do this, cut off your arm, pluck out your eye, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like, yeah, Jesus just said Jesus was holy. And so we get to be holy. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, that that's true. I'm still left with an inability to seemingly do do that. You know what I mean? And so like we can press people that way individually yeah. or in group whether it's like a community group setting yeah. or whether it's teaching in the politics class like i have thoughts and feelings about all of that stuff <laughs> and we were doing indivisible you know but my aim every single week was not to land on tearing down
3: yeah.
1: this side that side both sides whatever but to how do i build up jesus and how do i end every single class with hope and relief that ah oh, jesus yeah. is king thank yes. goodness you know what i mean like that's that's hard <laughs> it's really really easy for me anyways just to point out where i get to tear down or what's good and what's right and what's true and what's false and all those things yeah. it's a lot tougher to to like in my own uh dependence and lack of ability to change someone else's heart to then also like let them sit in that too and cultivate yeah. that in other people that that points them to jesus you know that's hard
0: yeah i mean it's the what you're saying is huge especially in small group setting bible study whatever is the point to observe Mm -hmm. or to like behold yes Mm -hmm. that's the difference and I know that's spilling into some other stuff I think I heard Jared Wilson or someone talk about like the the call of the Christian life is not to behave but to behold Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think in teaching both of those things are true that we merely observe or that we merely instruct for behavior but it's Note, like at rooted or community group or whatever, when the Bible's open, it shouldn't be that we leave and say, Man, that's neat. Yeah. It should be like, Yeah. And, and not, you know, we're not over spiritualizing that everyone right. stumbles out the door and <laughs> drunk in the spirit, you know, like, Oh, mind melting. Yeah. But well, like, everyone needs to
3: cry it, every Sunday. It should, it
0: should, should like point us to behold, Yeah. Mm. In, whether it's in sinfulness, in overcoming the brokenness of this world, whatever it is to behold rather than just observe, yeah. which is a huge thing. Oh, man, let's look and see what it says. Cool, let's pray. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, man, you're just, there, there are a lot of misses in there, but.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think on the flip side, I think this is still answering the same question, but uh, Doug Lapina was there on Sunday who is a retired high school teacher, and I loved a comment he made because he pointed out the difference when he was mm-hmm. teaching. I think he taught history. He actually taught in my high school, but I didn't have him as a teacher. I think he taught history. He talked about the difference between teaching in academia versus teaching the Bible, and I wrote down this phrase. He said that the point with the Bible is to obey,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so I feel like that's almost on the flip side because I think another th- pitfall I can fall into is not wanting to tell anyone to obey. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to keep it so hypothetical or so unoffensive to people that we can forget that Jesus was telling us to obey. Now we have yeah. to have that peace that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not saying just do better. but And I, I honestly see this come across the most on the internet. I don't know if the internet falls into any of these three categories, <laughs> but you know there are influencers. I don't know if guys do this, but I know women in particular, we are listening to the influencers. And so you get people, I think I sent Michael one of these recently and went on a whole tirade, that <laughs> there's this whole idea right now that If God says something and that doesn't sound like who I think God is, then it must not be true. Ooh, that is a pitfall. And so as a teacher, Mm -hmm. if we also miss the parts where Jesus, you know, says something uncomfortable even to us, or on a third related note, I think even just getting up there and pretending like it all makes sense to us, Mm -hmm. I think that's another pitfall of a teacher. It's so helpful when someone says, this is complicated, this is confusing. I don't totally understand either. I'm still learning, even as a teacher. Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful for people to know that, It's not all obvious right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a symptom of, yeah, I think a symptom of like someone who is growing in gospel-centered, Christ-centered preaching, teaching one-on-one stuff um, is someone who's able to be vulnerable and say, hey, like this is how I failed, (laughs) you know, from the stage, you know, like a lack of faith, doubt, not understanding stuff. And then also like the sweetness and goodness of how Christ has Satisfied that for yeah. you know what I mean, like to to be able to swim in the gospel waters of whatever you're trying to teach or preach, like that's mm-hmm. that to to know that and to share that with other people and then invite other folks to drink from those same waters, like that's yeah like that is that's a symptom of someone like if you know people like that, like ah they're probably drinking from <laughs> the well of the gospel yeah. on a regular basis and yeah and like yeah uh, obedience that is that's the Great Commission is teach them to observe. Yeah. All that I've commanded, not just teach them knowledge, but teach them in such a way that impacts the way they live, yeah. you know? But then it's also, we are also baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? right? That's who our identity is caught up in. And so there should be freedom in us, you know, even following him in some way. And that's
3: yeah. that's,
1: that's the, the hard work, I think, of, <laughs> of yeah. trying to to preach in a Christ-centered way is to teach to both of those things, knowledge, information, and also... What that looks like transferred, and like that we get to be not just dependent on Jesus, but also freed because yes. we're dependent on Him. You know, mm-hmm. and He's this is a good
0: segue for what Scott's teaching next month. So Boom! Good there we go. I'm so
2: excited about it.
0: We don't have to do it now. He just did. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all
2: right. So Bible teachers miss, we miss, but hopefully they can repent of that and be on spot that and continue going. So one line that was in one of the resources that someone brought up on Sunday was this quote that I have since learned is potentially falsely attributed to Charles Spurgeon. You often see it quoted to him, but he may not have really said it. But it's, oh, I meant to write the quote on our thing. But it was something about making a beeline to the cross every time he preaches. And so it's funny because someone brought it up in our roundtable on Sunday as something that they really liked reading and appreciated. And that beeline word just made me cringe. It made me cringe when I read it, and it made me cringe when it was brought up again on Sunday. Specifically that word beeline. So then we started a discussion. We didn't get to finish it. I'm hoping we can continue it here right now. Mm -hmm. Should we, in our teaching, either at level two or three, make a beeline to the cross? Here are some follow-up questions you can answer at your will. Um, What might be the dangers of beelining to the cross? And then on the flip side, we talked about how our teaching should be particularly Christian. So is that the same as beelining to the cross? Is it different? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Kelly, you want to... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, just in, in trying to be succinct and because I don't know all of the answers. Um, I, I think I told you, Kelly, this past week, I, I've had a conversation, even in recent years, with a, at a, uh, I think it was a, a preaching... Uh, conversations with other pastors that I love and respect that, that see the scriptures as we do, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and basically... The idea of like arcing the structure of a of a sermon, and assuming that then that should follow up in culturally, not just in sermon, but in, in other ways mm-hmm. around the gospel. Mm-hmm. That that is not a bad thing. Right? <laughs> sure. They're going to find me saying that's yeah. a bad thing. But the danger is that you do this yes. that you that you preach or that you teach whatever uh, Exodus, and and you say the things, and then you. You just—I mean—you yeah. you beeline. You get very yeah. quickly to Christ, um, or or it's an epistle, or or, or if it's a command, Old mm-hmm. Testament, New Testament, whatever, and you get there very quickly. And the danger is, just real simply, is that you don't preach the fullness in context yeah. of God's word. And so, I mean, we say this all the time. This is this is basic Bible teaching. If you don't know what it meant, you can't know what it means. Sure. And so. Uh, Man, we didn't talk about that as a danger, Mm. but that really is me-centered hermeneutic, the way that we read the Bible, putting ourselves at the center of every line, every paragraph, whatever. And so, uh, yeah, so to the beeline point, um, there's just danger in not sitting with the ancient Israelites in their struggle and their Mm -hmm. wandering in the desert. If we don't sit with them, we are reading a me-centered, even in the name of like gospel centrality. Yeah. Uh, Even in the name of, you know, Christ is is the center of all things, which he is, um, we put ourselves or we risk putting ourselves at the expense of, man, the fullness of sitting with ancient Israel in the desert Mm -hmm. and saying, what now? Mm -hmm. You know, this is God's story of redemption. And uh, may I let you speak? Are you going to speak to that uh, article a little bit?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that as a starting point. You go. I don't know what to was, up. Go speak to for it. it.
2: Yeah. Um, so in preparation for this, there was an article I found by John Piper, and it's titled, Should We Make a Beeline to the Cross? It's just really good. Do we have show notes? Can you link to it somewhere? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can So we can to link to it, to it sure. in the show notes because I think it's worth the read. Um, but there was a specific, te- or a specific quote I pulled out that I think just kind of sums up his answer. He says, therefore, to preach Christ crucified, as Paul implied in First Corinthians two two and Galatians six fourteen, is not to turn every sermon into a message that climaxes with a rehearsal of the atonement. Rather, it's to treat seriously and carefully every word and every clause and every logical connection in the text in order to show how Christ crucified and risen and present present by the Spirit empowers and shapes the new way of life described in the text. Mm-hmm. And that's like very John Piperish—a lot of words, but. Uh, Yeah, just that idea that, I mean, do you have a different thought on what kind of the summary of the article?
0: Well, I think that's part of a book that I'm Mm. listening to as well, uh, Expository Exaltation or something. Mm -hmm. So my mind's been... Sounds like a Piper book. It's been (laughs) i I've been thinking about these things in John Piper's voice recently. Um, But I think that's an excerpt. I'm not there yet. But the idea is that it isn't that everything culminates to the cross, but that the cross like... Yes. Branches out to everything else, mm-hmm. yeah. and so that m- maybe is really the point that you're making, Scott Early. That okay, if we if we leave everyone at the foot of the cross or hanging on the cross where we rightly deserve, <laughs> yeah. like uh, there's like some parts of that that we're missing. We've missed yeah. the point of the cross. Yeah, and and when we see what the struggle and what the successes and what God's faithfulness looks like to faithless Israel, etc., whatever in whatever the context, then. Then the Christ, then the cross makes those things all the more rich, mm-hmm. and it's not a, a combination. And, and like his point, and, and really, it's your point, Scott, as well. Like just saying the words of the gospel, or yeah. just um, just talking about oh, we're going to preach on the Ten Commandments soon, mm-hmm. saying hey, don't steal, and at the end saying oh, but Christ died for your sins, so trust Him to be the Lord of your life. Right. Okay, it's so much more rich, yeah. like for real Christ centered, oriented. Preaching, teaching, proclaiming is not just some tag on, but it's it informs every bit, every fiber of yeah. of the thoughts and the actions that get us to lie or cheat or steal or all those things. And mm-hmm. so, it's that's what he's saying. I think it's so much richer than just some tag on. Yeah. In Christ, died for your sins. Would you trust him today?
1: Yeah, that's. <clears throat> I mean, like it's all about Jesus. Like that's yeah. a great. That's a great phrase slogan, and it's true. Like it's it's all about Jesus. But like, I think when we. And that doesn't mean that everything in the Bible is about Jesus. Even, I know we'll hit on Luke 24 in a bit, but like, um, yeah, Jesus speaking to the fact that like it's, um, it wasn't like all of the scriptures are about him. He he goes and opens up the scriptures and all the things in the scriptures that were concerning himself, he talked about. And Uh so there are things throughout all the Old Testament that point to him, but like the the one I always use is like, "Oh, tell me how the menstruation laws like <laughs> are really talking about Jesus." We end up undermining. But I at, have
2: an answer for that. Well, no, <laughs> I know that you do, Well,
1: but but yeah, but I think the thing is like, what what we do when we say no, what the author really had in mind here yeah. was Jesus. Is we actually like we undermine the authority of the scriptures because right. we're undermining the authorial intent of the person who wrote and edited scriptures yep. and so like we, we we actually undo the very thing that we want to stand on yep. to preach and proclaim and yeah the other thing is which I, I think you kind of guys hit on a little bit is just it ends up truncating the gospel yes to only the cross you know what i mean which yep. is and evangelicalism we're prone to that anyways like the cross True. is part of the gospel but so is the resurrection so yes. is the incarnation michael just on sunday you like the ascension <laughs> like yes. it is such a huge part of the gospel even the good news that of his good. his second coming you know like all of those things are good news, you know, mm-hmm. to his people and uh, in Passover, like to go back to Exodus. Like if in, on the Passover, the very first Passover night, if great, they killed the lamb and they ate it and they put the blow on the doorposts and then they just sat there and yeah, that was it. it. Yeah. Like, well, that's not really cause for much celebration. Maybe, maybe, you know, the firstborn people of Egypt, like, maybe that was in some ways like retributive, but like that's, that is not the only thing that makes passover and the exodus sweet, right? But it's not the whole like, story. They're yeah. free. They get to go. They get to go draw near to the Lord on the mountain. They get to, you know, there's all these other parts of what makes that that event that moment sweet, and it's not just the blood that was shed. It's what that purchased and made possible for mm-hmm. um for God and His people. And so, yeah, I think those are some dangers, but I think then like the to your kind of follow up the win for us, I think seeing like the that, that the cross, the gospel, is where we do get to bring people mm-hmm. in some way, or that like it, it it's the thing that branches back to everything else. Yeah. Man, like what a free thing for us, I think, as preachers and pastors, as teachers, as just members of the church mm-hmm. who are meeting with people, <clears throat> is you don't have to have this like really clever answer or anything like that. Like you just you get to to let the the text, the passage work on you. Um, whatever you're looking at or whatever situation the person in front of you is bringing to you, like you get to let yourself be broken and in need independent as well. Um, at my brain, uh, when I was thinking about this question, went back to, uh, when Paul talks about, you know, how he came and, uh, didn't want to know anything except for Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's not a mantra. He literally says, uh, when I came to you brothers, uh, did not... but in the power of God. And I think lots of times when we think of making a beeline to the cross, it's like I have to find a really clever way of taking this <laughs> this passage yeah. and somehow doing a Jesus juke with it and bringing it to <laughs> Jesus. Like, no, until you've let this maybe wreck you, you understand what it means, you get back to, you know, what the author intended and then you, you kind of let the Lord work on it in you and, and you in fear and trembling and bro- get to then, oh, okay, this is, I see how the Spirit's illuminating Jesus for me in this passage and then we get to bring this to bear for other people, and we—that plays out a little differently in the one-on-one and the sure. small group. But that is—that's the posture of heart we get to have. It's not a clever, okay. This is like a thing we have to do, but it's a—it's a thing we get to behold and observe. Yeah, Absolutely. in the text. Two responses
0: from that. Um, one, I, I think it was—I think it was Piper in that book. He, he talked about Christ being the fullness, and that's the the Luke twenty-four mm-hmm. uh, that he points to. You know, all of the. The Law and the Prophets mm-hmm. pointing to him. He is the fulfillment of mm-hmm. their aim. I think we see that fleshed out in other New Testament passages. But mm. he said we get to preach the text so that the writer of the text would agree.
3: Mm.
0: When you, when, when you oh. show the hearer how what they said in their context mm-hmm. is made more full By the finished work of Jesus? Yeah. Holy smokes. That's great. So that, you know, Job would sit with you as you preach Job in a a Christ-centered way, as Jesus calls us to do, that Job would delight all the more in Mm. fullness. Like, Mm. are you kidding me? Oh, (laughs) gosh. That's more than a tag-on at the end.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and
0: I mean, maybe for succinctness, uh, you can say whatever you want. I'll I'll just hit on because you didn't ask this. Like, what makes something particularly Christian? Yeah. I've thought about it a lot, and I have no idea. But <laughs> because it, it's really tough, and I, I appreciate Angie saying, like, okay, we get to you know, we got to teach about Jesus, but but also like, the, but God is not just Jesus, mm-hmm. and like yeah. it's the Father and the Spirit. So every time do we have to? And in short, I would say, well, I won't even answer <laughs> in short. But what I would say is the the line that brought that up was this idea of it being offensive to Jews, mm. of 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 our proclamation teaching of God's word being offensive to Jews and certainly Hindus and Muslims and, yeah. and Jehovah's Witness and, and, and uh, you know cultural uh, liberals and I mean that not politically, but just in general yeah. those who would find themselves away from the Lord. all these yeah. things um, like it, it can't be that at the end of whatever we're saying when it's God's word, that everyone, that we, can't, that we can just coexist, mm-hmm. so to speak, and everyone says, yeah, he was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just need to love one another? It's like, no, it, it has to confront the world in mm-hmm. all that that brings with it, um, not by just being mean, but, but by its nature. It is an offense mm-hmm. to those who are perishing. Yeah,
1: yeah so. absolutely. To Angie's even specific question there, like, I mean, the Trinity is distinctly Christian, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we illuminate the Father and the Son and the Spirit, like, man, that is a distinctly Christian thing. I can open up, you know, pick a systematic theology, and I can read a page from it, and even if it doesn't mention Jesus' name, it's a, it's a well, so long as it's a Christian systematic theology. It's Christian, (laughs) right? It's a Christian thing. Um, But even to like, yeah, to Angie's particular point, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Trinity is distinctly Christian. And so we do get to teach on and lift up because they're all equally God—the Father and the Spirit, along right. with the Son. You know what I mean? Um, and to to root our dependence in all three. And obviously, like Christ is our mediator, who came to be like us to right. live for us. So there is a, a uniqueness in the way that we get to relate with Him, and are yeah. uni- and united in Him, you know, and all those things. And at the same time, like man, Father, Son, Spirit—they're all the Lord. We, we all get to depend on them. Um, and seek them for different things. And so, yeah, I think it's okay for us to, to, we don't avoid Jesus, but we also shouldn't avoid the Spirit or avoid the Father too. In fact, maybe in Christ-centered culture, like we have to go out of our way a little bit more to talk about the Father and talk about the Spirit,
2: you yeah. know,
1: because that's our bent. So,
2: Yeah, when I think about, you know, the entirety of the Bible that was chosen by God, it was chosen by the Holy Spirit for those things to be what we have today in 2021. And if He only wanted us to have the New Testament or the Gospel, that's what he would have given us. But mm-hmm. the reality is the Old Testament's way longer. Yeah. It's not there by mistake. It's not there just as like to make the book thicker. You know, it's yeah. not just so that they can up the price at the yeah. bookstore. <laughs> like those are there for a reason. And those inform everything leading up to the cross. Mm-hmm. And so on that flip side of like beelining to the cross is honestly, it feels a little bit offensive then to say that the rest of this doesn't matter. Yeah. Or it's not worth exploring or teaching or diving into. But then mm-hmm. I was convicted by the particularly Christian thing. I pretend to I tend to particularly geek out over the Old Testament and those have been you know some of my favorite series we've done at Rooted but if we're just learning things about the Old Testament and missing the cross in it it's not I think I said at Mm -hmm. the round table like if a Jewish person were attending rooted they should not agree with the you know when I'm teaching the feast or I'm teaching the timeline of the old testament at the end of the time they should disagree with what I said because at the end of the day those things do point to Jesus so it mm-hmm. is it feels like this balance I think it's worth toiling over to use Michael's expression and I think it's a great conversation
0: yeah I mean I, I think the to the beeline point yeah some people Man, I would say you need to get to like, <laughs> please but, get to Jesus. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's like the the drunken horseman, you know, yeah. that I think Luther, Calvin, somebody alludes to. Like, you, you go from one side and then you 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 slump <laughs> to the other side. Like, yeah. we swerve left and we sw- swerve right. And so, man, for some cultures, m- m- yeah. maybe to in modern culture, gum, like get to the cross. Yeah. Like, take your text and get to the cross, but not not at the exclusion yes. of the context. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: you know? absolutely. I think that. I think that's a good summary. Um, I don't have a great transition, but we also talked about Luke 24. We've referenced it a couple times where, um, and particularly the part of Luke 24, where these these two guys walking to a mazes, Jesus has already died and resurrected, and then he ends up walking with them, but they don't recognize him. Then he reveals himself and explains, and I wrote it down. It literally says, but the helper, no, nope, wrong one, sorry. <laughs> then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. That's Luke 24, 27. Uh, and then it says that the men's hearts burned within them as Jesus was explaining the scriptures. Which I would say is the work of the Holy Spirit. I think Absolutely, that's yeah. That's not the wrong thing to say, right? So we talked about that a little bit at the round roundtable. Um, we can't, I think Joe specifically said... Uh, Something to the effect of, man, if I could teach and someone's heart's, you know, someone's heart burns within them, that's just the thing. And I feel like Michael and Joe shared a little moment (laughs) (laughs) over that idea. Um, That's beautiful. But the reality is, as a teacher, you can't be clever enough to make someone's heart burn within them. That is the work of the Spirit. So here's my question We cannot manufacture the Holy Spirit for people. However, Obviously, that's something that we want to happen. How do we, as teachers, set the stage for the Holy Spirit to do His work in our listeners or our participants? Uh,
0: well, I mean, just, I mean, okay, obviously, but maybe not obviously. When we open the book, we get to be utterly dependent. Yes. I mean, it should be our hearts that we would be wrung out each mm-hmm. time that that we would like li- quite literally be wrung out of. And we all do it, and we all like take shots at like those who read their you know stuff onto the text, like uh, yeah. eisegesis, exegesis. Uh. <laughs> but like we, all, everyone does that. And then you read your own context, you read your own whatever. Um, we uh, we do thematic series around here, but it's tough because we're like afraid that we're gonna you know set out to do something and end up manipulating the yeah. scripture to yeah. say what we want. And so just I mean just in short, like just complete um dependence mm-hmm. prayerful dependence and also like trust that God can use our intellect yeah mm-hmm. that's the thing like it's not the expense of the brains and the hearts that he's given us like in wisdom and, and all those things and so like God this is like l- let this be about you and and Holy Spirit you you're the one that will fan the flame to awaken hearts um in the evangelism class that that Joe's been, Teaching, we we re, we read things where someone says like repent and believe, mm. and people are like, hey, oh, I've got to do. This. It's like what? <laughs> yeah. I never work with my neighbor, and yet the spirit—that's what the spirit does. Yeah. And so yeah. we say it all the time. But when when you leave rooted and you think, oh, I was a disaster, <laughs> or or you know I I've, uh, I've preached a, a bad sermon once and many 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 <laughs> once this month already, and. It's, and and so just knowing that, like, gosh, it, I get to faithfully go after what I'm doing, and we get to trust the Spirit to yeah. produce the fruit in His people for His glory. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, we're, we're, yeah, again, whether it's one-on-one, smaller, large gathering, like it's, we're participating in supernatural work, yeah. you know, and we're not the ones who get to do the supernatural things, but we do get to help facilitate and co-labor along with, the Holy Spirit in doing that work
3: mm-hmm. and so
1: like we automatically should feel that there's a gap between our mouths <laughs> and the ears of the people that are in front of us mm-hmm. and that gap is not just physical in nature it's not just sound waves but it's like there's a spiritual gap there too like we we cannot get them to hear see know maybe mm-hmm. what we would want them to see here or know um, we get to trust the Spirit in that and so I think um, yeah for us to to make room for that if the if one of the things the Holy Spirit does that I think the reason that their hearts were burning is because like, man, there's, they're seeing the scriptures for what they really are, which yeah. is illuminating for them this need for a savior. Yes. I mean, that was, Jesus was like, like, did you not know that the Christ had to <laughs> suffer and die? Like, this is pretty, pretty obvious to me anyway. And, and so like you walk them through that and their hearts were burning, I think, cause they were, they were seeing for the first time, okay, yeah. my gosh, this is, this is the cross shaped nature of like all of this, whole story our relationship with with the lord and and then it culminated in them recognizing him yeah you know like that's where it culminated is is in them recognizing i I think the spirit let them see like let them see who he was and so we cannot make people see who jesus is but i think then our work gets to what are we giving the spirit to work with (laughs) i think that's that's really what is when when the, the Holy Spirit, if he were to, like, put a, a light on whatever it is that we're painting for the folks in front of us, like, man, I hope that it looks something like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That that's what is illuminated, not not something else. So I, I think understanding that supernatural work, it does create dependence. We get to pray, you know, yeah. for folks. We get to understand that, like, we can't manufacture the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is manufacturing us mm. first in the midst of that. So we get to be mindful of you know what he is doing in us as we're listening to the person in front of us or as we're getting ready to preach or whatever and then preach from that dependence you know preach from that weakness from that that fear that we have that's you know satisfied in the lord and empowered by the spirit and yeah and then hope that what the spirit might do in the person in front of us is shine a light on something that resembles you know the gospel so
3: yep
0: which is why we get to grow as faithful Teachers of God's word. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we get to do. We're plugging yeah. our own thing. <laughs>
3: it,
0: well, it, it, here's the thing: spirit empowered preaching, teaching, um, is not lazy yeah. teaching.
1: Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: That's a That's how they work together. Yep. You know.
2: Yep. I totally agree. David Craiglaw pointed out, and during the roundtable, he said the phrase uh, that it doesn't teaching. I'm putting that word in. Doesn't really matter if the spirit doesn't move, which is so pr- mm. true. And then he used that to kind of talk about. Um, and I'm not, Dave. I'm not trying to like hijack your words. So hopefully, I'm not saying this wrong. But I wrote down that you said that, and then you emphasized prayer in our preparation. Which mm-hmm. I mean, this is like a joke at rooted that Beth Vandenberg always has to remind me to pray because I just get so excited <laughs> about the content, and so I just want to start going. And she's like, hey, okay, you want me to pray? So we need to pray. We need to pray in our preparation. We need to even pray together during our time. But to both of your point preparation matters we should pray and we should also do the work and i think that's the joy and the privilege of the teacher is that we get to do all of the work that people don't have time to do or don't know to do or can't do mm-hmm. and show up with i liked your phrase Of did you say uh, give the spirit stuff to work with yeah one of my favorite verses in the entire bible i don't know if we're supposed to have favorite verses but um in john 14 verse 26 jesus is talking to his disciples And he tells them, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring to our remembrance all that Jesus has said, all that God has said. And I remember that as I'm studying the Old Testament. I remember that as I'm reading you know, the Gospels or the Epistles. I have a terrible memory. I'm not good at memorizing scripture, and I honestly don't really try anymore. I just read a lot. And I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me what I need to know, and he does. And so I think that's part of it, too, to both of your point, yep. just to reiterate. As teachers, we get to do a lot of work. We get to give them, you know, as much as we can without also giving them t- too much. I think we're talking about that uh, in a couple months when we talk about unity and teaching and not throwing sand nice. at people. But we get to do it trusting that the Holy Spirit will then bring that to their remembrance as he sees fit. So. That's great. I love
0: that. I love that. Like the, tr- I love that passage as well. But it's it's trinitarian. Mm-hmm. In fullness. Yep. The Father sends the Spirit, who yep. reminds you of what I've said. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's all there.
1: There they are. That's the
2: goal, man. Uh, any other final thoughts before we wrap up? Things I didn't ask that you want to get to?
1: Ooh.
2: I changed the questions on Michael like the night before, so. That's <laughs> super,
0: super clean uh, notes. <laughs> uh. Uh, we, but we are going to get to the last question, right? Now. Yes, we're
3: going okay, to get to I the last question. Sure. <laughs> just making <laughs> sure. Kelly, what are you doing?
1: What's I the... always have more words, but they're not,
2: <laughs> I'm not so proud necessary. Of us. We just clocked an hour. I'm so proud of us. That felt like my imaginary goal. So. We're,
1: we're only 45 minutes after the stated goal that we said before we started. So, <laughs> so Hopefully right, so, you've been listening at two times speed, so go
0: ahead.
2: Right. <laughs> Uh, to wrap up, we have one final question. How would, in light of this entire conversation that we've had, how would each of you succinctly answer the question, what is the point of teaching the Bible?
0: Kelly, would you share yours? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm
2: curious to know I spent, yours first. Because I'm so proud of you. My first answer before I did the resources was just to reveal God, and I haven't changed it, except mm. that Tyler Lang said something about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I was like, oh, yeah, I should include that. So my answer is to reveal God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nice.
1: That's good. <laughs> Mine is... Uh, the The goal of uh, point of teaching the Bible is to let the Lord shepherd us. Mm. So, and that includes the preacher, the teacher, the person on the other side of the table.
3: Oh, so you—that's you. such so. a you answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's foundational on which
0: everything else Which has been the most difficult thing for me. I told Kelly in the class I I, I never declared mine. Everyone else <laughs> did, and I'm like, uh, and then you know you just. Because I, I think the shoots and root, you know, yeah. oh my gosh, will yeah. that mean uh, uh, yeah. how we get there? All those things, and there's a million things, but <laughs> I, I just want to read one passage, then I'll give you my answer. How about yes. that? <laughs> um, this is uh, Colossians 1, Now I, uh, verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affections for the body, for the sake of his body that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That would probably cost a lot to put on a gravestone, but you know, like, <laughs> I mean, that's it, you know, for me. And so that's what makes all this so rich. This is what I got. Um, we teach the Bible uh, so that the fullness of God might be known, treasured, and delighted in above all. Mm.
3: Good.
2: Also, a very you answer.
0: Yeah, then. yeah. So known, treasured, delighted in, above all, I
3: love
2: like it.
1: it, beautiful. Oh cool. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you have a no, last thing? That's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> no, I just
0: the the setup for that, like, which made this so tough. T- teach so that the fullness of God, which is trinitarian, right? Which is t- you know like yeah. blah blah. Yep. And, uh, and all of those things, treasured worship, delighted, above all, mm. meaning like. And so, yeah, all those things, implications everywhere, but that's good.
1: Cool, sweet. Well, guys, hopefully this was helpful. Uh, I wasn't at the this roundtable, this first one, and so like, uh, it's fun getting to peer into notes and hear from you all, kind of what you guys talked about, and to be able to participate as an outsider in this conversation. So, let me, thanks for letting me be a part. Next month, You'll I get to <laughs> yeah, I get to lead uh, next month, um, which is February twenty-first Sunday after the gathering, um, and we're going to be talking about informational versus transformational teaching. So I'm um, super pumped about that. I'm putting together some resources and stuff for that at the moment. should be out in a few days, if you're listening to this when it goes up. Uh, yeah, but I'm really pumped. So hopefully see you guys there and have some good conversation. So,
2: yeah. Thank you both for participating in this. Yeah,
1: thanks for being here. It's good. Thank you. We'll see you next time.